0: I want to welcome you to the Retro Rogues Live podcast. This is a segment from last week's live video show. The live show is available every Wednesday at 7 p.m. on Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter. Simply search for BaseGod14. That's B-A-S-S-G-O-D-1-4 on either YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter. And now, on with the show. I want to welcome you to the Retro Rogues Live. Please pay attention to our warning graphic. It states that the RetroRogues live show is intended for an adult audience and not intended for children under the age of 13. Parental discretion is advised. Again, I want to welcome you to the show. My name is Dave Beatty. I am one of your hosts. On tonight's show, we're going to be talking about the first two episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. Another thrilling installment of the Collector's Corner. See some of the books that we're recommending on our promo graphic. Ross going to continue to talk about pop culture news, the streaming wars, and much more. Um, but enough about that. We want to welcome back my co-host. This is Mister Eric Alexander. Eric, please tell the folks that'll be watching or listening at home some of the fun things you have worked on as a creative professional.
1: Yes, hello everyone. I am Eric Alexander, also known as Bass God 14. That's Bass God 14, not bass God. That's Bass God, like a bass guitar. And I am the chief financial officer of a small production company in Arizona called Bad Bob Productions. Uh, Currently, we are actually uh, doing a crowdfunder for a film called Staycation, which is in the in-demand phase right now. I think we've actually made over 40,000 on Staycation. So appreciate all that support.
0: Very cool. Um, I didn't talk about it, but uh, I am also, uh, the last 30 years have been a fresh illustrator and graphic designer. And I've worked for a lot of the major uh, comic companies, such as DC and Marvel, and a lot of fun things, such as Batman Incorporated, Justice League of America, and even X-Men, sort of the products. right, so let's just go ahead and get into it. First thing up for this evening, we're going to start with our main topic. We're going to talk about the first two episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Plus. The way that we do this is we actually start off with sort of a uh, spoiler-free discussion, talking about initial reactions, but we want to hear from you. Those of you hopefully watching or listening, we want to know what you think. So please comment on whatever platform you're on. Tell us what you thought about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We desperately want to hear your thoughts. Normally we run a contest. We're not going to be running that tonight. Uh, but the contest will return actually next week because I'm running behind and getting stuff in the mail. And I'm getting everything's kind of getting backed up, kind of like PSA. But we'll talk more <laughs> about PSA a little bit later this evening. Good all tease right, so, though. Good tease. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> all right. So. To start off with, we're going to talk about, again, the first two episodes. Uh, The first one is New World Order. It says, uh, Sam Wilson and Bucky Barnes realize their futures will be anything but normal. So we'll just go ahead and start off with the first episode here real quick. Um, So uh, initial impressions, I enjoyed this episode. I quite liked it. And I was surprised with some of the choices that they made. Um, It wasn't quite what I was expecting, but I still uh, really enjoyed it. so I quite like the first episode. What did you think of the first episode, Eric?
1: Well, I want to acknowledge Jane is in the house. She said, Hey guys. So I want to say hi, always glad to see you. Uh, talking hi, out there in the Rose gallery and, and being our, our first commenter. Hopefully we'll get some more comments. Cause as Dave said, I would really love to hear what other people have to say about this show as well. Um, so the first episode, uh, new world order. Um, I felt it was, I felt it was really slow. Uh, it, it starts off with a very uh, good, you know, uh, a pretty pretty good action sequence, uh, but the rest of the episode I felt was kind of slow, and 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 that is kind of my overall impression. Even with the, with the first two episodes, is I, I feel like they're I feel one of the problems with these with these Marvel shows, these Marvel series. Now that we have something to compare it to, since we've we've seen the full. Um, the, the full run of WandaVision and what they decided to do and where that actually went, whether you liked it or not. Um, there is something to be said about the approach and about doing a series versus a film, right? So in a film, typically, right, you're looking at about two hours and you got to tell a story, hopefully with a beginning, a middle, and an end. And that sounds like, oh, that sounds so like, like what are you talking about? That has to have a, a, a beginning, middle, and end. A lot of movies don't. A lot of movies get stuck in in one of the one of the acts either the first or the second act and the third act ends up being a complete mess because they have to resolve all these things that they established very badly in the first two acts or sometimes very well and they just don't deliver it at, at the end of it but what's nice about films is because of their limited amount of time they tend they tend this isn't always the case we all know films that s- sort of tend to feel like they're way too long and maybe some more more scenes could have been cut out because you're like why is this taking so long for for the good stuff to actually happen um in a series you have a lot more time so you know basically we're already at a feature length with the first two episodes but the first episode in particular i felt like there was a lot um a, a lot of stuff that was that they were putting in there that i felt was like kind of unnecessary where i was just kind of like okay, you know, who really cares? Um, there's always a possibility that they're setting up something, right? That they're setting up something and that that's going to, you know, be a big payoff later. But that's what I kept thinking about WandaVision. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I was disappointed in the in the payoff. I didn't feel that the payoff was, was there. So I'm concerned, right? Because of, of my experience as someone who wasn't like a huge, huge fan of WandaVision, not saying I hated it but I definitely was disappointed at where WandaVision ended up uh, in particular, very much so with the finale, with the last episode. Uh, I I thought that there were some things that were being set up that just never happened and they were pretty obvious things to set up. And in fact, it's actually been uh, shown that a lot of stuff with WandaVision got cut out Um, and they ended up, they ended up not doing it because of budgetary reasons or because of the pandemic or, or all sorts of different things that contributed to that. I think even the directors have talked about that, that certain things were supposed to happen that just didn't. Um, so, so I get concerned about when, when there, when there's, these kind of long languishing scenes and stuff is going on and, you know, I was getting a little bored. That's, that's pretty much the bottom line. I think it, I think the, the first episode in particular new world order, it starts out fairly strong, uh, because I think a show like this, what you want, I would think what you want as a fan is lots of action. Uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier are characters that are made for that. So you kind of anticipate that that's the kind of film that you're going to get. And when they spend hours, well, not hours, but they spend a lot of time just talking, or just not really doing anything. uh, That's kind of disappointing to me.
0: Okay um let's go ahead we'll do the summary here real quick for the second episode the the summary for the second episode is a little spoilery but i think everyone's seen this It's not a huge shock but the uh, title of the second episode is the star spangled man and the summary basically reads that john walker is named captain america and sam and bucky team up against a rebel group so that's your summary so um i'm gonna be honest with you i really really like this episode I know a lot of people are hating on uh john walker at the moment the new captain america i've talked before about how i'm a huge fan of u.s agent if you read the comics john walker eventually becomes a character in the comics anyway called u.s agent um and is kind of like a, a different version of captain america um and continues to operate and he kind of uh, often represents the united states government you know uh, kind of a government-sponsored superhero if you will kind of like what he's the role well that's getting spoilery anyhow so um <laughs> i really liked this episode because i really liked john walker and i thought it was interesting because the actor that they cast to play him um i think his name is wyatt russell is actually kurt russell's son and there were some scenes where when he's talking and stuff and whatever it was interesting it was, almost felt like you know like you know i could hear Kurt russell's voice and I was like, it's almost like they got Kurt Russell to play U.S. agent. So um, I really like this episode, uh, "Star Spangled Man," a lot. Um, I had a lot of fun with it, and and I really liked, I really like what they're doing because they're taking on some different things and they're handling it in a unique manner. It, it's not heavy-handed. Some of the themes that they're playing with, the way the way that they're addressing them. I thought it was kind of interesting because it wasn't kind of hitting things on the nose we get the spoilers i get a little bit further into what i mean by that but um i am i really like this episode so what did you think about the second episode erica the star spangled man
1: well kind of dovetailing off of my my previous criticism of the first episode one thing i did like was I, i felt like there was well there was there was a lot more action in the star spangled man than new world order And that's what, again, that's why I'm coming to this. This is, that's what I'm looking for. Um, Unlike you, Dave, you know, my knowledge of U.S. agent comes from what you've told me. Um, And basically looking at the Wikipedia article after you made me aware of who this person was, I had no idea who that character was before we started talking about it on the show. That's just not a character that was ever on my radar. You know, when it comes right down to it, if, 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 if a character has never appeared or has appeared in only a few of the animated shows or something like that has never appeared in the movies, I probably don't know who they are. So I don't have any emotional attachment to that character whatsoever. Um, I do, you know, have uh, some more emotional attachment to Falcon and the winter soldier based on the previous films that I've seen and enjoyed, but those characters, as far as like growing up or anything like that, Again, very little emotional attachment or anything like that because they just weren't on my radar that much as I, I was growing up. But I did appreciate the fact that there there was more action sequences uh, in the Star Spangled Man. Uh, one thing I didn't like is I do feel like Marvel has has a tendency. The MCU and and of course the the shows you know are are in the MCU continuity even though they're not theatrical releases, right? Um, Marvel. MCU specifically can be kind of goofy. Uh, There's no doubt about that. I've I've mentioned that before on previous reviews of things. In fact, I think he was even talking about that when we were talking about Justice League and sort of the contrast there with like the the darker Snyderverse and what the MCU generally tries to do. Um, And they have those moments uh, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier where they have this sort of goofy, offbeat kind of humor and dialogue even where it gets a little bit cheesy. And the MCU is kind of known for that. But at the same time, uh, they're obviously putting things in this that are very topical and very uh, contemporary and sort of pull me out of the world a little bit because I'm not coming to Falcon and the Winter Soldier to see stuff about what's going on in the real world and and what they think about it. Be honest with you, I don't really care what they think about it as far as the people at Disney and, and Marvel Studios. Um, I'm here to see some good action and have a good time, you know, and, and have a good, compelling story. Um, there is a little bit of a thread in this that that I am a bit intrigued about as far as what's going on there. But I'm also concerned about ultimately how Disney and how Marvel Studios in the current political climate are going to actually approach this whole storyline. So I have some concerns. Uh, it it kind of puts me a little bit on the defensive and that's not what I want with a show like this. I want some escapism. I want more about the action. I thought the, you know, when we get in the spoilers, I thought the, the one of the action sequences was actually a lot of fun. And I think that's one thing that you and I are both are going to agree on that that, 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 that particular action sequence was kind of fun the way they did it. But um, th- there's some other stuff in there that I feel like it almost just doesn't fit. It's like, they're trying to still be like that that MCU lightheartedness and then there's also trying to go with some very uh, Controversial topical kind of stuff that's going on in the real world and yeah, I don't know how I feel about that I I I, I, well, actually, I do know how I feel I don't like it
0: <laughs> All right, so we've done our initial uh, reactions um, and uh, Let's go ahead and let's let's get into some spoiler talk here so at this point in the discussion, we're going to be talking spoilers for New World Order and Star Spangled Man, the first two episodes of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which you can watch now on Disney+. Plus. Um, those of you here joining us, I appreciate you being here because I know that uh, you have so many options, including even Godzilla versus Kong, which came out. So I'm surprised that you're here, but we're glad that you're here. All right, so we're getting into spoilers now, so uh, we're, it's a free-for-all. So just be warned, if you have not seen these episodes, um, now would be the time probably to go away, maybe come back a little bit later. Um, we don't want you to leave, but um, we don't want to spoil anything for you either. So this is your last warning. Okay, so first episode, I really, really liked the um, the opening action scene a lot. Um, I love the music the, that they have given the Falcon, which actually is a callback actually to Winter Soldier, one of my favorite of the Marvel movies. Um, and uh, I love the fact that they brought back uh, Batroc the Leaper. You know, last time we saw Batroc the Leaper, he was fighting Captain America and Winter Soldier. So I thought that was kind of cool that they brought like the same actor back and it was Batroc the Leaper returning. I thought that was really fun. Um, and then uh, the other, um, the other stuff I thought was interesting is I liked what they were doing with Bucky. Um, with uh, winter soldier, you know him having the nightmare sequence and him still cause He makes that comment in um, Civil War when Tony Stark has him like in a like a stranglehold or something He's like do you even remember them? And he, he has that moment where he says I remember all of them So to see him have like his own version of Captain America's list Where he's trying to atone, you know what I mean or make right um, and it was a really powerful moment where he when he's talking to his psychiatrist, I love this moment too. And his psychiatrist is like, Look, you've been pardoned, this, that, and this other thing. It's like, you know, you're you're free. And then Bucky utters something I thought was pretty profound, and he said, To do what? I thought that was pretty, pretty I I, I love what they're doing with Winter Soldier in this show. I feel like Sebastian Stan's doing a great job. He's he's the one who, besides the actor who's playing uh, John Walker, who I'm enjoying the most at the moment. I'm really, really enjoying what Sebastian Stan is doing as uh, Winter Soldier. So that was my favorite kind of moments. Those were my big takeaways um, from the first episode. Um, Was there anything in particular you wanna highlight that you really enjoyed or you wanna talk about from the first episode, Eric?
1: Well, again, I I did appreciate the action sequence at the beginning. Uh, I felt that that's what people are there for Um, even though it it, it was a little bit, you know, Saturday morning cartoonish, MCU is okay with Saturday morning cartoonish, you know, that, that, that's not necessarily a knock or a bad thing when it comes to the MCU. So, uh, I did appreciate it. I, I did like it. And again, that's kind of what I, that's kind of what I guess I was expecting and I was expecting more of, I was just, uh, disappointed that they didn't have more of that in the first episode.
0: All right. Okay um and uh jane in the in the rogues gallery says that she watched godzilla versus kong today very cool no no spoilers mom um i have not seen it yet
1: i have not seen it either
0: and and we haven't discussed
1: whether we're going to review that or not so we definitely Uh, need to discuss that behind the scenes
0: (laughs) i'm sure we'll talk about tonight when we get done um all right so let's go ahead and move to the second episode um I really, again, like I said, I'm really, it's weird because I know a lot of people are really hating on guys
1: playing John Walker. Um, I can see that. I I can see why, Dave. I can see why people are kind of having problems with him. Well, let me explain what I like about
0: it. I like the fact that he is like, he's a contemporary soldier. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's just a guy trying to do a job. You know what I mean? He's, you know, he's a decorated war hero. They've asked him to take on this mantle and he feels the weight and the responsibility of it. Like that, that's the thought I, stuff I thought was kind of neat. Like, the, and I like the fact that too, also between the first episode and the second episode, clearly Sam decided not to become the new captain America to not take the mantle of the shield. Like he clearly said, no, thank you. Right. And then basically turned it over and then the US government decided, well, we need a Captain America. We we need that. So they went out and they found someone that they thought would be good. And this guy, this gentleman, just happens to be John Walker, right? And um, I just thought it was really kind of interesting the way that they're approaching this material. You know, they could have done it in a very ham fisted kind of way, you know what I mean? And it went, Well, we don't want you to be Captain America, we want this other guy over here to be Captain America. Yeah. Like, I just, I liked kind of the way that at least they're approaching it. I thought it was kind of an intelligent way to kind of approach it um, and and not the obvious way to go about it. Um, and I, like I said, I just, I really like John Walker. I, I thought it was interesting too. He's not super powered. You know, he's, 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 uh, he's kind of like Batman, you know, um, he's a guy who's trained at the ability. You know what I mean? He's a, Skilled veteran, so he kind of knows how to handle himself, obviously. And I just thought that was an interesting approach, uh, and I I liked them showing him training with the shield. Um, I just really that's the thing. I know a lot of people hate John Walker, but I'm liking John Walker in this um, a lot. And I know eventually he may turn out to be a little bit of a villain at some point, but at the moment, I I'm really like because he is trying to get Bucky and Falcon on his side. Like he he's like, let's team up. You know, and they keep saying no, you know, and that's what I thought was interesting, too. Like he busts Bucky out of jail because the psychiatrist is like, you know, Bucky's like, well, thanks for getting me out of jail, Doc. And it's like, I didn't do this. It's like, who did this? And he's like, that was me. You know what I mean? I just I just like kind of the way because he doesn't seem like a bad guy. That's the big thing. He does have that ominous moment where he's like, don't get in my way. But again, he's a soldier. He's got a job to do. You know what I mean? And he doesn't need them getting in his way, you know. So I'm really, really liking John Walker so far, and I like what they've done with it. I know a lot of people are hating on it, but I really liked it. Um, and then uh, secondly, I really liked the uh, the whole fight scene on top of the the two semi-trucks. And I love the little musical sting. I like that John Walker got a little bit of the Captain America music and come flying in to save the day. And, and a lot of that back and forth where Bucky caught the shield at one point was just kind of looking kind of disgusted and there was just a lot of fun. I really enjoyed that fight on the, uh, um, on the, the back of the semi trucks. So those are my big takeaways. Like I said, I'm really liking John Walker. I'm had a lot of fun with that. I'm really enjoying everything that they're doing with their winter soldier. I even like that bit too, where they're riding in the back of the Jeep and they're talking and, uh, they're trying to figure out who, you know, uh, the new captain America's partner is, and he's talking about who he is and, He's, and I can't remember if it's Sam or Bucky. Someone says, "I'm going to need a little bit more than Leroy Hoskins," and he's like, "Well, my code name's Battlestar." And Bucky's like, "Stop the jeep! I want out." <laughs> that was hilarious. So I'm. Having Incidentally, a lot of fun. is that
1: character based on anybody from the comics? Yes,
0: Battlestar comes from the comics. See, that's the thing. I, I I am shocked at how much stuff. Like like they're cramming so much comic book stuff into this Falcon and Winter Soldier thing. Like I never in a million years thought that. Battlestar, like we've gone far enough into the marvel universe that we've got Battlestar live action on a on a on a tv show like what like are you kidding me so as a long term because i read captain america during this phase um i showed off my first appearance of uh u.s agent on a previous show i was recommending people pick that book up by the way back when we were talking about wandavision everybody um and uh, it is going up like a rocket. And what's interesting is um, I just really, really am surprised and shocked and having a lot of fun with the fact that, that we're, we are going so far into the Marvel Universe that we've got friggin' Battlestar live action on television. I thought that was crazy. So I'm having a lot of fun with all this because, you know, I remember when they first were teasing, they said, oh, we're going to do the Avengers. I'm like, yeah, you're going to do the Avengers. Sure you will. And then eventually they go, oh, we're going to (laughs) do Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm like, are you kidding me? All right, well, good luck with that. And they made that work. And I'm just like, wow, this is crazy. And now we've gone so far. Here's Battlestar, everybody, live action on a TV show. I'm shocked. I'm having a lot of fun with it. I'm personally loving it. I know some people are not, but I am really enjoying it. And I'm having a lot of fun with it.
1: Yeah, I, I think we're both on the same page as far as that one sequence. That I thought that was the high point for me of, of that episode. What uh, was that action sequence where where basically you know USA agent just kind of shows up you know and kind of kind of kind of uh, to quote unquote like save the day, but he really doesn't. You know, um, right. I thought that was a neat that was a neat action sequence. I, I did enjoy that quite a bit. Uh, I, I didn't necessarily see that coming, you know, like that, that was also part of it. it was like, oh, all of a sudden he's, he's showing up because they did mention that uh, he was still kind of going through, I guess, the the initial, you know, Captain America phase, which of course, you know, the, with the quote unquote real Captain America and the MCU, right. you know, right. initially he was out there selling war bonds. And it's funny because uh, I wanted to just mention because it did go through my mind. I recently binge watched the Pacific and that was actually because somebody in the rogues gallery was mentioning that there's a sequel coming out uh, to the Pacific, which is also uh, considered like, you know, a sequel to band of brothers um, and it's called masters of the air and I'd never seen the Pacific. And so I decided to go ahead and watch it. And there's a a real life hero, uh, a real life, you know, kind of captain America Mm -hmm. um, that they depict uh, in the Pacific. And he was a, a winner of the Congressional Medal of Honor. And what they did was they shipped him off back home to sell war bonds. So that was a real thing, you know what I mean? That's something that actually really happened. And you know that in in the Captain America film, that's what what's what initially happens uh, to Steve Rogers as well, right? He gets he gets stuck uh, selling war bonds, and he's more of like a caricature than like a real right. soldier. And right. so what I was I thought that they were going to do more with that with with U.S. Agent, um, you know, wh- where he was going to be kind of going through that phase for at least, you know, at least like an episode, you know, (laughs) Uh, because they showed it at the beginning that that's what he was doing. Uh, And by the way, yeah, interesting little plug there, Disney with uh, Good Morning America, which is also part of Disney. But anyway, um, so they were, they were playing with that. And I thought they were going to play with that for a little bit longer. And they didn't, you know, all of a sudden he shows up and he's out in the field and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, quote unquote, trying to like rescue uh, you know, Bucky and uh, and Falcon, and it doesn't quite quite go the way that 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 he had hoped. So I thought that was interesting. Um, one thing that I think is a little weird is that he isn't super powered, uh, because there was a big fan debate when when Falcon was initially given the shield. There were a lot of fans that were upset about it, not for any political reason or something that you might think or the way that people might spin it. They were saying that it didn't make sense because Falcon is not superpowered, whereas Bucky at least has that cyborg arm. Okay. And the idea was, and the criticism was Bucky seems like a more obvious choice because he can actually wield the shield the shield and throw it with the force that a super powered person could. Because of course, Steve Rogers has the super soldier serum. He is not just, you know, a normal person, he, he's got the super soldier serum. And I thought that was kind of weird. In fact, I was unclear about that, whether he, you know, whether U.S. agent had taken the serum or not. And I kind of fell on what you're saying as well is that he didn't because they're very surprised about the fact that they're running into people that obviously have taken the super soldier serum. That's who they were fighting. And that's part of like the the mystery of what's going on in the series. Like, where did this come from? All that kind of stuff. How did these people get it? You know, all that, all that. Um, And I thought it was kind of weird because that was sort of like a big fan criticism out there was that you should, you shouldn't be able to wield Captain America's shield that way, unless you're augmented somehow. Um, And, and again, that's kind of like a big kind of like a fan debate, kind of a nerd debate or whatever, if you want to, if you will, but I kind of get it, you know, I, I'm kind of like, yeah, that does make sense to me. It doesn't seem to me like a normal person, no matter how strong or athletic they might be, if they're not enhanced in some way, it doesn't seem like they would be able to properly wield that shield. Um, and I did think it was interesting that, that Falcon uh, gave it up. And of course, that was in the previous episode. I did I did think that was a little weird. That was unexpected to me that he would give up the shield uh, that Steve Rogers so specifically uh, bestowed to him. But again, there was this big debate about whether he would even be able to yield it properly. But now the, they're they're kind of saying, well, I guess he could because this guy can. So apparently, that's not a rule or that's not a thing. So th- that that part of it's a little confusing to me. You know, I I don't quite I don't I don't quite get that. It, it doesn't quite make sense to me in in, in my in my mind of, of how things should be working in the Marvel universe.
0: Well, I didn't think it was that weird because it, you know the the shield is essentially just a shield. And it, it, it is designed and, and used in the manner in which it's used. So I, I, I'll be honest okay, well, with
1: you. Let, 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 hey, let's, let's just take a step back just for one sec, just to step back, okay? Shields have been used in warfare for thousands of years, okay? And nobody has ever used shields like that. They don't throw well, them and spin them because physically it's just not possible. First of all, they're not designed to do that, right? But the the thing is, is like, even if you talk about like a round shield, like say the Spartans, right, the Spartans had those round shields. Um, They didn't do shit like that. Although the shield was very, very important in Spartan warfare. Uh, In fact, I've, I've seen some really interesting things where they actually have tested Spartan shields and realized that it was actually a very important impact weapon that they used to use. They used to hit people with it quite a bit. So they did use it for offensive purposes. It wasn't just defensive. But as far as people like flinging it the way that Captain America does, there's a reason that has never happened in warfare. That's because people can't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Normal well, people it, are just it, physically it, not able to do that.
0: Well, it, it is important to remember. Number one, this is a fictional universe, and that just comes from the comics. Um, there have been other people besides Captain America who have thrown his shield. So that's you know that that's not. Again, co- looking at it from a comic standpoint, that's not like breaking the rules. Um, now, I understand the, the complaint or whatever. That it's like, well, Sam doesn't have the super soldier serum, so why should he? He shouldn't be Captain America. But I don't, I don't understand that complaint either. And um, just to clarify, if you notice, um, they've kind of established, Bucky has also had some version of the super soldier serum. Because if you notice when he's racing after that truck, as well as everything else we've seen from him in the past, He has had a version of a super soldier serum besides his cybernetic arm. Bucky is definitely a super powered individual. Um, And, you know, it's interesting too, because, you know, watching this show, you know, from a comic book standpoint, we have three people who have been Captain America in this show. Um, You know, Falcon at one point in the comic books has been Captain America. Um, I know a lot of fans really liked when Bucky was actually Captain America. And I think that's why a lot of people were, were wanting Bucky to be Captain America is because he probably had a longer stint as Captain America than, than and then Falcon did. Um, and then, of course, U.S. Agent in the comic books, just like what they're doing in the show, was originally intended to be a replacement for Captain America. But again, in the comics, he, he was powered. But I think what they're going to do with this, and this is speculation talk, but I do believe that what they're going to do with John Walker is John Walker is going to decide to take a version of the super soldier serum, realizing that he probably needs that edge in order to really live up to the reputation of Captain America. I could see him doing that out of, you know, kind of like feeling like he needs to, right? And then that's going to cause a change in him, you know, kind of at least that's what I think might be what there. Again, I hate to apply a DC storyline to a Marvel thing, but <laughs> there's a Batman storyline called Prey. And a lot of people don't realize that one of the first people to use the Venom drug that actually powers Bane and makes him superhumanly strong and everything. One of the first people to use the Venom drug was actually Batman. And he started taking the, the, the Venom drug or the Venom derivative because he felt like he needed that edge. And it literally drove him mad. Um, And it it made him kind of the same kind of, kind of like a Mr. Hyde kind of idea. Kind of like what happens with Bane when he takes the the Venom and he gets completely just out of control. Um, Batman had the same problem. So I feel like that's what they're going to do. We're going to see John Walker possibly take a version of the super soldier serum, possibly the one that this rebel group has been having access to, thinking that it'll give him an edge. And then that's going to, you know, cause a change in him and then cause this moment. And we're going to realize why he can't be Captain America, you know, because there was something special about Steve. You know what I mean? And I think that's one of the things we're going to see is why just someone can't just pick up the shield and be Captain America. I think they're going to show us that in this show.
1: Yeah, that's definitely something from the MCU is, is, is that's... That's very evident that that there is something very special about about Steve Rogers, and and of course that is also why he was selected. Uh, you know the the doctor who created the the, the super soldier serum said that um, it's it's one of the better scenes from that particular film. So yeah, I think that there's definitely something to that. Uh, what do you think about this notion of this terrorist group that uh, wants to go to a a a, a back to the world during the blip um cuz that's something that they haven't really explained very well well really at all um cuz obviously in end game we got some we got some indication of what the world was like you know d- during the blip so to speak um and it, honestly it didn't seem like it was it was that different and it seemed like the blip generally was considered a pretty bad thing and people were upset about it. So I think it's kind of interesting now that they're establishing this idea that some people were happier during the time of the blip. There's, there's a kind of implication that politically things were very different. uh, While while the blip was was, you know, during the time of the blip when half of the population was gone. Um, I'm just curious what you thought of that whole notion because it's not something that really we have anything to really base it on as far as what we've seen in 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 the mcu so far
0: well you know it's interesting because they're calling them the flag smashers and in the comic books there was actually a villain called flag smasher um but it i think the best way for me to think of them was actually the way my wife described them because we were watching the show she's like wow these people are weird they're like followers of thanos and then ever since then I kept in my head, I keep calling huh. them the, the the disciples of Thanos. Like, I think that's even a more interesting thing to call them, you know, because they they want the world to be what Thanos envisioned and they're trying to return it to that, you know, where there isn't the scarcity of resources and, you know, the earth can have time to heal from the pollution. And like, I think it'd be more interesting if they were the disciples of Thanos, but um, you know, as yeah, far I like that. As,
1: I, I, I like that a lot more than what they did so far. Yeah, well, <laughs>
0: yeah, and it's and it's weird too because like the one guy when they make it to their second safe house in in the second episode, the one guy's like, they're calling you the Robin Hood or whatever, and 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 they keep talking like they're like this group, the Flag Smashers, are doing all this good, and I'm like, I haven't seen them do anything yet. They're just stealing stuff, right? And we don't we don't even. I mean. They could be taking that vaccine they stole to augment in order to create more, you know, super soldiers, right? Like, how do we even know what they're even doing with that vaccine? Because it doesn't. Well,
1: the, 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 one of the implications, obviously, is that they basically want to kill off half of the population of the planet. That, right. That's obviously the the, the clear implication. Um, the thing that I that I find really strange is that. This isn't something that's been really established very well at all. Like, like the, they Endgame was one of those films that I thought was way too long. Okay. End was just way, way too long. And they certainly could have gotten into this. They could have really gotten into this idea of what was life like with half the population gone. And again, the only, only little glimpse you get is that this really was not a good thing. It was not really perceived as a good thing and people were upset about it. Um, And people were still dwelling about it. People were traumatized by it. People lost their loved ones, their loved ones just disappeared, right? Uh, So, and then of course, the other side of it is we do get a little bit of, for instance, when Peter Parker goes back to his high school, it's like a a happy moment, right? People are happy that these people are back. So I, I really wish that they had kind of established this, you know, a little bit earlier, at least given us a little bit of a thread as to why it is that this group would even exist i mean uh, you did touch on some issues that would seem fairly evident that maybe you know like pollution would go down a little bit or there would be a little you know less strain on resources food all those kinds of things um but they didn't really get into it certainly as much as they could have certainly not if they were already planning this show and this sort of take so I'm kind of taken aback by it a little bit. I actually like this whole Disciples of Thanos idea a lot more than what I've seen from the show so far. Um, and then uh, Jane uh, made a point. Uh, she said, the scientist did say the serum did bring out what the person's character was either good or bad. Um, and, and this is, of course, uh, talking about the original Captain America First Avenger, uh, when the creator of the super soldier serum is talking to, to Steve Rogers about why he's selecting him. Uh, to to take to be the first person to get this. And yeah, and and that also, I think, is uh, evident with what happened to Red Skull, right? Because obviously, he was augmented, and it it enhanced uh, certain, you know, tendencies within within him as well. So yeah, I think I agree with you about that, Jane, that that it it probably will do something like that. And, And it will be interesting. If Dave's right, and US agent eventually does take the super soldier serum, it'll be interesting to see what that does to him. If there is something else there that will be enhanced, so to speak, that's not so good. You know, so far we really haven't seen that so far. It seems right. like, you know, he's a good dude. You know what I mean? He, he's just, he he's, he's just trying to, you know, take on this mantle that he's been given. Um, you know, they, they haven't established that there's anything really nefarious about the guy. You know, he's, he's, he's just a, he's supposed to be just like a badass. you know, basically special forces guy.
0: And that's the at the moment, that's that at the moment, that's one of the things I love about the character is the fact that he is just, you know what I mean, a great example of the U.S. military. And he's been picked, you know, and he's got this friend who's his, you know, his sidekick who's helping him and helping keep an eye out on him. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I just like that. I just think that's really kind of cool that they went that route, you know? Um, I'm, I'm a little nervous about what's going to happen if he does take the super soldier serum to be honest but um at the moment like i said i'm honestly just liking john walker uh, i just i'm having a lot of fun with it you know us agents one of those characters that again i kind of grew up with and um he's not quite that character um but um i i'm having a lot of fun with it so far so we'll see we'll we'll see where they go with this but Um, that's my big takeaway so far um, because that literally those are two characters I'm enjoying watching the most. I'm, I'm enjoying seeing Bucky on his journey, you know, and, and what he's, you know, his kind of perspective on the world and you know, what he's, what he's trying to accomplish for himself to try and atone for things. Right. Um, And then I'm really just enjoying just watching John Walker, you know, try to live up to that. You know what I mean? Uh, The kind of the, the legend of captain america it's interesting
1: yeah i I think the thing that i'm most intrigued about is is again that little mystery of what this group actually is and what exactly they are about and whether marvel's going to bother to explain it The, the, the the little thread that i thought was most interesting is they were talking about you know now uh post you know post blip if you will with all these people coming back they were mentioning uh, the political landscape has basically reverted quote unquote, back to where it was uh, before the blip. And that was something that was never touched on as far as what was going on politically in the world during the blip. You know, if there was some sort of substantial change in the way that governments were operating or who was in charge of governments, they never got into that. So it'll be interesting for me to see if they do, develop that idea anymore and tell us exactly what was going on during that time that's quote unquote like so different than how it is now of course another possibility is that this group is just kind of you know manipulated or something like that by some some uh some behind the scenes force or something like that uh so we'll just have to see but that's probably the thing that i'm i'm the most interested in the series so far is just understanding what that group is, what they're about, and really what was so different, you know, besides the obvious when, when, the, when the blip was still a thing, when half the population was, was, was gone.
0: Yeah, and I'm curious too, because again, there's another group that's referenced, which is the power brokers. The power brokers are the people that show up at the end of episode two in the black SUVs and they, they fill that guy full of bullet holes and they're trying to apprehend the flag smashers And then the one lady, Carlo, whatever, she gets that message and it says, um, you know, I'm going to get back what you took from me or something. Like there's this kind of ominous text message. That's actually the power brokers that show up. And in the comics, the power broker is again, it's a single character and the power broker is actually responsible for actually giving the U S agent his powers. So I have the feeling that they stole maybe that version of the super soldier serum that they're using actually from the power brokers. Um, I don't know, it's gonna be interesting to see how this unfolds. Like I said, there's elements that come directly from the comics, you know, at times. And it's just like, wow, that's really kind of cool. And then there's also these kind of different takes or interpretations on concepts that are coming from the comics, so you still kind of, I can still kind of go, okay, I kind of see what you're doing there, but it's different. So I'm not exactly sure where they're headed. And that's kind of the big thing too. It's like, I feel like that this show's gonna end I feel like the obvious place this show's gonna end is possibly with Falcon obviously having the shield, right? Like that's probably the journey that we're on is eventually Sam will take up the mantle, right? Um, but beyond that, um, I'm honestly not really sure where this show's gonna go. Like I I'm I'm concerned that John Walker is probably gonna die before the end of this show. And I'm getting a little concerned about Bucky too. I'm I'm wondering what Bucky's journey is gonna be and, and where he's gonna be at the end of this show too.
1: Yeah, it, it, I, I don't think it's clear. It would be interesting if they flipped the script, though, and it w- and Bucky ended up actually becoming Captain America. That would be really interesting to me.
0: That would surprise a lot of people and also make a lot of the, the diehard comic book fans happy. Um, but we'll have to see. We'll have to see where they go. So it'll be interesting. All right. Uh, do we have anything else that we want to add to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, or are we ready to move on? I, I think I'm,
1: I'm ready to, I'm ready to move on.
0: All right. Very cool. Um, let me go ahead and see if I can get the, uh, graphic up. I should have already had the graphic ready to go, but as usual, we were talking before the show started and this one, wait a minute, hold on. Have you already got the graphic up?
1: Is this the one you're talking about?
0: (laughs) Hold on. I'm trying to get back to the screen. Yes. That's the graphic. Thank you. All right. Okay, cool. You've got the graphic up. All right. Um, so um (laughs) set this up real quick (laughs) so here in the collector's corner uh we like to talk about interesting uh things happening in the world of collectibles we're talking about things as comic books trading cards action figures any of those fun things that we all love to collect um sometimes from a speculation standpoint sometimes just from a collecting standpoint but at the very very least we always hope it's something that you will find worthy of discussion here it's like what we like to talk about in the Collector's Corner. I totally butchered that segment setup, but that's enough. Let's just go ahead and get into it. All right, so <laughs> you see the graphics on the screen here tonight. These are my selections for tonight's Collector's Corner. Um, I'm going to run through these kind of quick and and talk about why I selected them in particular. Um, and then anyone obviously if you want to comment the rogues gallery feel free to comment on these selections um, and also maybe offer up your own suggestions if you have anything that you've heard about or you think is worth talking about okay so my big speculation play in all honesty has changed from when i originally made these selections so the speculation play for those people that are curious about it it's probably at this point going to be thundercats number one from 1985 which is the book that's there in the center um, You're going to want to do your research on this book though because there were uh, Second printings and different variations. So you, you want to look at in particular if you look um, In the little corner box there where the number issue is it's number one the other side It has the price you want to pay attention to that little box right there That's what's going to tell you as well as down at the bottom You see it says star in the little white box and it's got some information there um, sometimes that's a UPC code. So you're gonna to wanna to research this before you pick them up because you might actually pick up a second print, which the second print's actually more valuable than the first print. But um, anyhow, you just wanna be knowledgeable about which version of this book that you pick up because there actually are different variations and they have wildly different values, okay? But the reason I picked Thundercats uh, number one from 1985, and we're gonna highlight this as a speculation play for this evening, is because of the fact, uh, we're gonna talk about it and get into pop culture, but there was actually a movie announcement for actually Thundercats. Um, so that's why I'm picking that. We're gonna get a little bit, little bit, we're gonna get more into that a little bit later in the show, but let's go ahead and cover the other two. The other two books I highlighted for this evening, the first one is Rom, The Space Knight, number one, from 1979. Number one, this is just a great book. It's a great character. But secondly, this book is interesting because this book wouldn't have been able to be on this list because this book was actually going for anywhere from $40 to $50 and higher, and there's actually been a pullback on this book. A couple years ago, um, there was an, some announcements that Hasbro intended to develop a ROM Space Night movie, um, and there's been some rumblings that that's still going to happen, which has caused the book to kind of spike a little bit here and there. But there has been some pullback on this book. So if you want to pick up a copy of Ron the Space Knight, I'm thinking now might be the time to get it because you can get one for $20 or less. And there seems to be a a pretty good supply of them on places like eBay. Not Mercari so much, but on eBay, there's quite a few copies you can pick up pretty cheap. So if you think there might be some interest in Ron the Space Knight moving forward, um, now would probably be your time to take a look at picking up Ron the Space Knight number one because there's been a pullback. It's cooled down a little bit, so maybe it's now the time to pick it up, if you want to pick it up. I think it's worth owning just because it's a great book. I love the character. All right, our third one for this evening is Spawn number 9 from 1993. This is the first appearance of Angela. Now, the thing that's interesting about Spawn is Todd McFarlane has just recently announced what he's calling the Spawn Universe, and he has a whole bunch of different things he has planned to do with the Spawn character in terms of expanding the universe and adding more titles to the Spawn you know, comic book series and, and basically fleshing out and, and building up that universe even more than what they've been building over the last 300 plus issues um, since Todd has created Spawn. Now, what's really kind of cool about this book is in addition to it being an interesting Spawn kind of book to own, because it is a great Spawn book just to begin with, The second thing that's interesting about this is that Angela is in this. Angela is considered to be I think a Neil Gaiman character. And it's kind of unusual because Angela actually kind of exists right now in the Marvel universe. So this is an unusual kind of book. At one point there was rumors that Angela might actually show up in an upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And in a recent Guardians of the Galaxy series that was published by Marvel Comics Angela was actually one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. So this huh. is an interesting book to purchase and hold because you've got an interesting Spawn angle, right? But on the second, on the flip, you've also got kind of an interesting kind of like Marvel Universe, maybe Guardians of the Galaxy a- angle as well. But for me, it's just a really great book to own. It's just a really great story. It's a really interesting character. Um, but anyhow, that's the third pick for this evening, Spawn number nine from 1993
1: yeah, that's really interesting uh you know i know a little bit about the whole controversy uh with neil and todd i, I believe there was actually a pretty substantial lawsuit uh that happened between the two of them at one time and kind of kind of took a uh i really kind of was looking at that whole uh work for hire uh type of a type of issue and everything right. like that and um It's kind of ironic because obviously, you know, Todd McFarlane is a creator himself and, uh, you know, was one of the founders of Image because he felt that um, uh, obviously Marvel was was not treating uh, artists, you know, you know, correctly, creators in general correctly. They decided to make their their own uh, company. And then uh, a few years later, he was basically accused of doing all the terrible things that were done to him. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's, it's an interesting story. Um, You can definitely, uh, you know, delve into it, looking into it more on the internet. There's actually an interesting on Amazon Prime. um, It it was at Amazon Prime. uh, I think it was like Image United or something like that. It was interesting documentary actually about Image Comics. It's actually pretty cool. Um, and um, there's lots of stuff about Todd talking about his new Spawn universe as well. Um, because he was really making a, a big push for it and really hyping it. But, um, you know, a lot of the early Spawn books are really kind of fun and kind of cool, and they they kind of encompass that that 1990s kind of comics era in a really interesting sort of way. Um, because they have kind of a lot of the tropes and all the fun things, but those books are still pretty good too, you know what I mean? They're not they're not quite the devoid of content that some of the other books are sometimes you know rightly criticized for being you know just kind of devoid of content and just kind of crazy flashy splash pages but spawn is actually a pretty interesting character and and it's been a fun book for a really long time and so i just think it's kind of interesting and it's weird too because you basically in spawn number nine right now you kind of have like a marvel character and an Image Comics character, like, colliding in a book, you know what I mean? Right. And um, it's just kind of a weird kind of a thing how all this has kind of turned out. But but anyhow, I think it's for people who are collectors, people who like comics, people who are looking for different kind of books to kind of pick up. The thing that's interesting about all these books is if you keep an eye out for them, you know, you can get decent copies of these, all of these books, for basically $20 or less. Um, The Thundercats one, After Tonight, I don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case anymore because the that news announcement about the Thundercats movie seems to be kind of catching on with people. So this book might be going up right now as I'm speaking. But uh, at the time that I selected it and the time that we actually went live on this show, you can still pick up a decent copy for about $20. So it's kind of a fun way to kind of get into the comics, you know, collecting and speculation kind of era again. You know, these are just my recommendations. You know, um, I'm not guaranteeing that these books are going to go up in value or anything like that. These are just kind of fun things to talk about. Um, but like I said, these are these are the selections for uh, tonight's uh, collector's corner.
1: Very very cool. Well, uh, I actually have a thing for collector's corner too, and it, it does involve uh, people that might want to try to find like an entry point into something. Uh, as opposed to something again, that is already well-established and maybe you would rather like just try to sell. Uh, This is something that people I think might be interested in trying to acquire. So I've talked about this before. Um, I mentioned actually a lost opportunity uh, that I had recently, uh, which was that I was at Target um, and I saw that they have these, these Marvel Kenner action figures, right? And for people that don't realize it, Kenner doesn't technically exist anymore. It was acquired by Hasbro. And so I'm just showing you uh, some, some prices here. Like this is the Hulk. This is the, the Hasbro Marvel Legends line, uh, specifically the Kenner Hasbro Marvel Legends line, because Marvel Legends is a huge toy line, obviously. But this is specifically their, their sort of retro Marvel line. And you can see here, like this is a Hulk is going for like $17.99 on eBay uh, we've got like Magneto going also for $17.99. Captain America going for 16 Uh Spidey going for uh dollars And that's, that's about the top end that I've been seeing these things going for is around $20. So um, recently I had been at Target. These are Target exclusives. Uh, so apparently they're not available at any other retailer. There is a Hasbro Plus version of these figures, uh, at least some of them. Uh, some of them do come in these two packs. In fact, next to that Spider-Man picture, you can see one of the two packs uh, that has Cyclops and Iron Man. Uh, as I understand, it, Cyclops is not available yet, loose on card um, at uh, at Target. He's not. But um, what Target has done is, even though some of these figures are out in both versions, in other words, there's the Hasbro Plus version that comes in a two pack. Uh, then, then target is actually making their own version that comes on a different, a different card back. Um, so like the, the Spider-Man that you get in one of these two packs from like, uh, Hasbro plus, I'm sorry, right? Hasbro pulse, right? It's, I think Hasbro pulse is actually what, yeah, it's yeah, pulse. Yeah, Hydro pulse. Ha- ha- pulse. Hasbro Pulse. I can't speak tonight. Hasbro post, uh, pulse, geez, Hasbro pulse. Um, they do the two packs and, uh, some of the same figures are now available both in retail at Target and through Hasbro, but the, the card backs are different. So anyway, uh, a while back I had been in Target. I, I found out about these completely randomly because I usually check out the toy Second at Target when I go shopping for groceries. And I happened to see a daredevil figure and I didn't buy it. And I felt really bad afterwards because I was like, Hey, it looks like, those figures are going for almost double if you flip them on the secondary market, if you go to eBay or something like that. Um, and I was like, dang, I wish I had bought that. So the next time I was in target, I went ahead and looked again to see uh, what they might have available. And I had a, a sort of pleasant surprise that they, there were quite a few figures available. Unfortunately, uh, the one they didn't have uh, was the um, uh, daredevil. They didn't have daredevil. Uh, But they did have some other figures, and I'm going to go ahead and show them here on the air, the ones that I acquired recently just this week at Target. So the key thing here is to remember these things are available in the wild. That's what I think is nice is that uh, I've always thought the thrill of the hunt is a lot of fun when you're collecting anything, but in particular action figures and toys. And some of this stuff um, I'm going to go ahead and probably uh, just keep. But some of it I'm looking at, at probably flipping within the next couple of months, especially what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait until this stuff is no longer available in stores. So I was lucky enough. I did get the Hulk. So this is a really kind of unique figure in the line because it's got like a very different kind of sculpt. And you can see that it's, it's, it's actually done very well where he's, he's much bulkier than the other figures. In fact, let me take out another figure to compare him to. Oh, here's Spidey. So we got Spidey here. This is probably one that I would keep, by the way, for my personal collection or, or even maybe give to one of my kids because I do have some, uh, some of my kids really do like Spidey. Uh, so you can see what the card back looks like there. Yeah, pretty, the card backs good, are really cool.
0: Art. What's that? The card backs are really cool.
1: Yeah, th- this one's very classic. This is a very classic Spidey pose. It's also neat. Mm-hmm. They have like these little, little info things on the back. You know, that, that, that uh, explains cool. stuff about the character. And they're like little quotes because they're, they're, it's actually, if you look, they're in different languages. So like his says, high above the ground, swinging through the streets, Spider-Man stops criminals that seem impossible to beat. And a lot of them rhyme. Huh. <laughs> so That's kind of neat. Huh. And I know yeah. that like uh, he's, uh, I think Spider-Man is kind of unique in that the Hasbro version, the Hasbro Pulse version actually has a different quote on the back. It's not the same one. But uh, to compare the sculpts, you can see, because Spider-Man kind of looks like his body type is very similar to all the other figures in the line, you can see they really did a great job with the Hulk in terms of giving him uh, height right, and also bulk. Yeah, that's cool. In fact, the one that I'm really hoping for that's not out is I really want a thing. I'm hoping they're going to come out with a thing in this line. Uh, but, ba- you know, probably very similar to the the sculpt that we see for um, for the Hulk. I think that'd be really cool. Here's the Human Torch figure. That's cool. And by the way, he's very similar, I think, also to Iceman. Iceman has kind of got a very similar kind of look because, you know, he's kind of transparent looking and everything like that. But you can see that that he he's got sort of like these little flame accents and things like that. Yeah, that's it's a pretty cool. cool, pretty cool figure there. And then let's see what else I got here. I pretty much just got, you know, one of each of what they had. So, and by the way, I did leave stuff for other people. I didn't just take everything they had in stock. I just took one of each. So there's Captain America. I do like the card back quite a bit. Very classic pose. And the, the figure itself looks very good. I think this is the only figure that comes with an accessory, by the way. I don't think any of the other figures actually come with an accessory, which is kind of interesting.
0: Well, I'm just glad to see he comes with the shield because I remember as a kid I was horrified because the Secret Wars Captain America didn't come with his actual shield. Yeah, he came with actually, the.
1: Yeah, in fact, yeah. I ha- I think I still have that figure somewhere. I've got to go looking for it. I think. I think I still have that figure that Captain America from the the Secret Wars line. Here's Magneto. That's cool. He's one of my favorites. I love the pose. Yeah. This is this is when I think of man Magneto. This pose that you see on the card back. That's what I think of Magneto, you know? Yeah, it's very cool. You can see the actual figure there.
0: Yeah, that's cool.
1: Yeah, I dig those. those back. Me. So we got Magneto there. And I want to mention that these retail, uh, you know, in store at uh, $9.99. Now, this is wow. the one that I'm probably going to flip, <laughs> that I'm probably going to flip as soon as I can. But it was there, so I got it.
0: Wow. Well, there you go. Carol Danvers. She should come in a
1: two-pack with Rogue. That would be – I would love to see a Rogue version uh, for this line. I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of potential for this line. There's no doubt about it. There, there, is, there is tons and tons of potential for this line because um, there's just so many other figures they can come out with. Like I said, there is a Cyclops, but right now you can only get them in the two-pack directly from Hasbro. Um, so I'm, hope, I'm really hoping that, I guess, uh, my understanding is they're already up to Phase 2 – of this release so there's actually going to be hopefully a phase three and a lot of people are thinking cyclops since he was already released with the hasbro version will come out you know on a single a single carded version with a new with a new card back so there's there's plenty of speculation about that but again you know these are things that could be good quick flips for you or if you can do what i'm going to do and wait until these figures are no longer available in stores and then see how the market is doing and then look into possibly uh, flipping them at that point. Or, you know, like I said, a couple of these i probably gonna keep. Um, I do also wanna mention uh, that uh, Star Wars has a very similar line, right? Uh, I believe they call it the vintage collection. And so what Star Wars has done, Hasbro, I should say, has done with Star Wars is they've come out with new figures that are still at that same scale, that, that you know, three, three and a quarter scale, And basically what they've done is they put the packaging, the card back is supposed to be, you know, basically evoke the late seventies, you know, early eighties Kenner era card backs, but they're new figures and they've got new sculpting and all that kind of stuff. Then they also have sort of a retro line where they actually take like actual old figures or, they reimagine new figures as old figures. They're doing that with the Mandalorian. In fact, I still have an order, a pre-order with Entertainment Earth. Um, I'm still, haven't got word whether that's going to be fulfilled or not. And that's basically the entire Mandalorian collection. But in stores now, the sort of new versions of the Mandalorian in in that vintage line are now, I'm now seeing them in stores. And I just thought it was interesting that the Star Wars figures at this same scale and basically the same thing where they're, they're kenner figures um, they retail at 12.99 whereas these figures retail at 9.99 so that's also something to consider i haven't looked into if these star wars figures are really going up in value or not but i just thought it's interesting that as far as getting in at a low price point on something the the marvel kenner figures are cheaper than the star wars kenner figures
0: well that's interesting i mean myself as a collector you know if they release like a wolverine or something i'd definitely be all over that it, it'd be kind of cool too like i tend to collect a lot of namor stuff that so they release the submariner like a like a really cool like classic because i don't think we've ever gotten just a really neat retro throwback you know just classic namor um you know submariner figure i mean yeah i know in the legends line they did a pretty good one a few years ago but We've just never had one of those. That'd be really cool. You know, kind of like how he looked when he showed up on, uh, um, was it Spider-Man and his amazing friends? Yeah, he was, he was in an episode of Spider-Man and his amazing friends. Um, Speaking know, of which, classic.
1: They do obviously yeah. have Spider-Man and I mentioned they have Iceman. I'm really hoping they do a Firestar. I think that'd be really cool because you know, Firestar never gets enough love.
0: <laughs> yeah, that would be really cool. That would definitely be really cool. Um, You know, they did a a Marvel Legends, they did a classic Firestar, and she actually came with uh, Miss Lion. uh, Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: I remember that uh, Toys R Us did an exclusive where they did actually have Spider-Man with Firestar and um, and Iceman. And uh, incidentally, I do have the comic. They did a a, a one-shot revival of Spider-Man and his amazing friends in the comics, and I have that one somewhere.
0: That's cool. Very cool.
1: All right.
0: Um, so the last thing I want to talk on uh talk about just for collectors corner, just briefly, just on the card standpoint. Uh Eric and I were talking about for the talking about this before the show boy we went live tonight. And it's interesting because um basically it's interesting from the card standpoint. Um, the Prism, I guess Prism's a company. I don't know enough about the sports card world, but I guess there's a company or a brand called Prism. They're getting ready to release their basketball cards. I think actually like tomorrow or later this week or something. But in advance of that, it's so weird because um, it seems like almost like in concern for the deluge of submissions they are going to get PSA has basically announced that they've basically closed down all submissions for cards all except for, the super express tier that's like three hundred dollars a card. That's, that's apparently all they're going to be doing, and they're the they're supposed to be working through their backlog, which is good. But at the same point, it base it, it's weird because if they can if they can make it through their backlog, maybe it means people could submit cards. But you know when they bring the tiers back on, I mean everyone's pretty much thinking it's like well they're going to start with the most expensive tier and then work their way down to the value tier, right? Um. So, PSA just keeps punting that football further down the field as far as me ever submitting them my cards. <laughs> so, I'm getting to this point now where I'm like, well, maybe I just won't get my cards graded. And the extra ones I have, I'll just try and sell those just as they are raw. And then, you know, the ones I have, maybe somewhere down the road when no one cares as much about it, maybe then I can look at getting them graded. But it's just crazy to me that um, there's just so much turmoil and 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 just craziness happening you know in this weird little niche collectors market at least that's what i think of i mean i'm not not from the sports card i understand the sports card thing's a big thing i don't mean that i'm talking about from a comic book standpoint you know like um it's just so it's just so weird to me it's like i you know um it's just crazy that i can't just you know send my silly little spider-man card in and and you know get it graded you know it's just weird just really weird so, anyhow, I wanted to bring that up for people who are following it, and, and to be honest with you, unless something happens, I don't know how much more trading card updates we're going to have on the show, because, let's be honest, it, it, right now it looks like you're looking at a year, you know, or longer to get anything graded apparently by anybody at this point, it seems like, so I don't know what new news we're going to have other than, guess what, the wait's still out the ass, you know, so I don't know what the point and continue to talk about it is, I mean, if I pick up something interesting, I still have a box I want to do an unboxing video for. But um, it just seems like, as far as me getting cards graded and having all that fun stuff of unboxing stuff on the show, I, I don't know if that's ever going to happen at this point.
1: Yeah, it's a real shame what PSA is doing right now. You know, you know, the first indication of problems was when when they you know up their rates. I know that was a big deal uh, within the, the the collecting card community. They're like, oh great, they're putting their rates up. Um, And now this, it's like, this is kind of crazy what they're doing, especially when there is such a demand right now for people wanting to get these cards graded. Um, It's just, it seems like a huge missed opportunity on PSA's part. One thing I would suggest, though, is I do know that when it comes to some of the other companies, uh, for whatever reason, reasons that I don't understand... A lot of these other grading companies don't get the same respect, obviously, as PSA. In other words, e- even though they have a, a card that's graded at the same level as what a PSA grade is, just because it's a different company, they don't have the same value. They don't go for the same amount. Um, but it might be worth looking into one of these other companies because at some point maybe people will kind of turn on PSA. You never know, it can always mm-hmm. happen. Doesn't? I'm not saying it will happen. But maybe that is a possibility of looking at one of these other companies or these other grading companies and seeing uh, both, you know, in terms of the cost and also in terms of the turnaround time, if it might be worth uh, getting a card or two graded, you know, for, for one of the different companies, one of the competitors of PSA.
0: Well, and I have been looking into it and and I probably will still continue to look into it here and there. Um, but it's just weird because a lot of the companies, they're they're still not even accepting, you know comic book cards is is basically what i'm hearing um and, and i mean directly from reps too not not just from like people in the community going oh well they won't grade the cards it's like no that person from such and such actually told me they won't grade those cards right so it, it's weird how some companies are like ah we don't want your money we don't want it so um it's just a strange thing. I mean, and it's weird because, and I mentioned this to Eric, I mean, I almost feel like I should have just started a collectible grading company you know, instead of a t-shirt company. Cause <laughs> Lord have mercy. There's a lot of demand for it and, and people can't even pay money to get it done. It feels like at times. Well, I mean, yeah, you, can it's pay, you can pay a truckload of money for it. You know what I mean? Like You can pay $300 a card and get your cards graded. But um, it's just like, a, you know, a, a good affordable service doesn't seem to be something that anyone's too terribly interested in offering at the moment because of the crazy demand. And I'm just kind of surprised and and I'm sure there's aspects of their business I don't understand. So again, this is just my opinion. And I'm not meaning to sound heavy handed. I'm mostly sounding disappointed, you know, because I had hoped to be able to do this and share this experience with everyone here on the show. But, you know, it just looks like it's probably not not happening anytime soon, um, if maybe ever. So,
1: Yeah, it's really disappointing. It really is, especially for people that want to get into this market, because I know there's a lot of excitement about it, uh, and there is a lot of speculation going on. And the fact that you can't even just get your your card graded, um, that really does suck. That that really is kind of like a a huge, huge bummer. But again, I do know there are some other companies that do grade these cards, uh, because I've seen uh, examples of that from other people's YouTube channels where they compare it. And, of course, again, the PSA cards are always basically much more valuable than the other, other grading systems, but you never know. It might be worth it depending on how much they charge. And, again, the turnaround time, that's also key.
0: True, true. All right. Um, if we're good here, are we get to go ahead and uh, move into uh, pop culture? Yeah, sure. Let's do it. All right. Very cool. All right. So here in the Pop Culture News segment, we talk about anything that's caught either mine or Eric's interest in the world of pop culture news. But with the very least, we hope it's definitely something that you, our dear, valued viewer, you, our dear, valued listener, will find worthy of discussion. That's what we like to talk about in the pop culture news. All right. So do you want to go first, Eric, or do you want me to go first?
1: Well, you, you already touched on uh, one of the ones that I definitely want to talk about, and I think you okay. want to talk about it, too, so we can, we can kind of both being on this one, I think. So okay. I, I pulled up this, uh, this deadline article. And by the way, this is also relates to Godzilla versus Kong, which I know lots of people are talking about. A lot of people are into that right now. Um, it's definitely something that's trending and, and uh, seems to be doing very well for uh, Warner Brothers and HBO Max. So what this deadline article says headline reads Godzilla versus Kong director Adam Wingard to helm Thundercats movie for Warner Brothers, so it says uh, as his new film Godzilla versus Kong opens Wednesday, that's today in U.S. theaters and on HBO Max. After t- turning up a ho- after turning up a Hollywood film pandemic record of 123 million, by the way, I think that's kind of an interesting term, a Hollywood film pandemic record. That's a little bit of hype, right? But anyway, uh, it, it's a 123 million dollar gross in 38 overseas markets over the weekend. Director Adam Wingard is set to direct Thundercats. This is a big scale feature based on an animated TV series that ran from 1985 to 89 by Rankin Bass and several other iterations, comic books and merchandise. So I do know that there's a lot of people that are, are looking at this. Uh, this actually did factor into our uh, collector's corner segment. Um, so um what do you think, Dave? What do you think about the fact that we're looking at a possibility of a Thundercats movie?
0: Well, I mean, I think uh, it could be fun. It could be interesting. I mean, it's going to depend upon the approach. Um, you know, people were weirded out by that Cats movie. You know, so Thunder Thundercats would look a lot like those weird cat creatures. So <laughs> just they'd have swords and armor and stuff. Maybe people would be okay with it because they'd be wearing clothes.
1: What's funny is... Um, in this article, there is a reference to an interview that they did, uh, with Adam Wingard, where he does talk more about Godzilla and thundercats. Um, right. and one of the things he specifically says, he specifically says, no, I don't want it to look like cats. He says that's, that's completely something i want to avoid. Uh, what he's talking about is it's supposed to be, I guess, like hyper realistic CGI. So uh, I guess the best analogy would be the Lion King movie, the quote unquote live action Lion King, which I, I always think like, come on, come on, Favreau. Come on. You're better than that. That was not live action. Okay. That was, you didn't use any actual lions in that film. You know, (laughs) that's just really photorealistic CGI. It's photorealistic cartoon, you know? So it seems like that's going to be his approach. He's going to basically look at, at a, a very realistic looking type of CGI. Um, I I was even thinking maybe he's going to try to go sort of like maybe the avatar route where they're doing a lot of that. um, uh, um, uh, A lot of that. uh, uh, Jeez, I forgot the term. Uh, Basically you have an actor and they're all got the sensors on and stuff like that. And they are performing. What's that? Motion capture.
0: Motion Motion capture. capture.
1: There you go. Yeah. So they're motion captured. So I'm kind of thinking maybe they might go that route. Or maybe it will just be a really good-looking cartoon, you know, really realistic-looking cartoon. Well, that is definitely an approach that could
0: be taken, um, and I think that there's definitely room for that. You know, I talked to the last episode about that amazing sequence that came from one of the Batman Arkham games where they were promoting it, and it was Batman versus Deathstroke, you know, and it was just an amazing sequence, and then... You look at um, some of the, the trailer promotional footage they released to promote the um, Suicide Squad versus the Justice League game. You know, as part of that big DC Fandom event uh, several months ago. Um, so definitely, could be it could be interesting. I think that's definitely a great approach to take um, because you can definitely kind of avoid some of the the weird uncanny valley stuff when it comes to humans. You know um and maybe just create something that's really interesting you know that's kind of cool too because that makes you wonder if they're the, even though they're talking about this in this manner i wonder if they're eyeing this as something for hbo max you know what i mean um specifically um kind of like with what they did with
1: the snyder cut well it's kind of interesting because uh th- this article does mention this is actually the first director's deal that has been announced ever since uh, Warner Brothers said that they were releasing their films simultaneously on HBO Max and in the theaters. Uh, so the article does mention that, but it does sound like this is meant to be a theatrical release as opposed to a Warner Brothers exclusive. Huh, okay, well,
0: well, we'll see. I like the approach. I think the idea of doing an animated film is a, is a great way to go. Um, these characters obviously lend themselves to that approach. And I think it could look really amazing. You know, you can make sure Panthro looks right. You can make sure that, you know, Slythe looks right. You make sure Mumra looks right. You know what I mean? It's like you could really do something really kind of cool and then bring obviously added realism to it. You know what I mean? Um, but at the same point, lean into the design work of the characters, you know, and and make them truly... You know identifiable and, and compelling and, and interesting just to look at so uh, it sounds like a good idea to me i'm
1: down yeah we'll just have to see i mean obviously a lot of this is going to just come down to how well it looks i think that's going to be a big factor in whether people embrace it or not um i don't think necessarily if you did like an actual live action version of the thundercats it would have to be anything like cats uh, I, I do have to mention that because for the most part, the, the, the Thundercats themselves basically look like human beings with just some kind of weird accents and, and weird colors and things like that. Maybe some weird hair here and there. Uh, although you mentioned a character like Slide, uh, he would be very difficult to, to create you know, actual real live action. Uh, but, but a lot of the other characters really, in my mind, wouldn't be. I, I actually remember an old fan film. Uh, that did a live action version of Thundercats. And I thought they actually did a really good job and showed that you definitely could do it, especially with like a real Hollywood budget. But again, that's not going to be the approach here. Uh, Apparently they are looking more at that photorealistic CGI.
0: Well, interesting. All right.
1: uh, Are we
0: okay for me to uh, talk about one of my stories? Sure. All right. Very cool. Let me share my uh, screen here real quick. all right so this is coming um from uh, gizmodo this is actually from uh several days ago um this is really interesting this was by uh jermaine uh lussier i hope apologies if i'm saying that incorrectly um and again this is from the 25th um but this is interesting um and i'd seen this kind of making the rounds but this is the last starfighters potential sequel now has a sizzle reel for hollywood's consideration so basically this is a promotional piece that someone put together to kind of show the potential for a Last Starfighter um, sequel, um, which I thought sounded kind of interesting. Um, let's see, we'll get in here. It says, um, fans of the Last Starfighter have long dreamed what a sequel to that movie would be. Today, they find out. Gary Widow, writer of the Book of Eli and Rogue One has been working with The Last Starfighter writer Jonathan Batul, apologies again for saying that incorrectly, on bringing the 1984 classic back to life for years now. Today he hopped on his Twitch stream to say the film is closer than ever to ever been to fruition. It's right on the one yard line, he said, and he believes it will happen. To help cross that line, though, Witta also revealed the sizzle reel. He Batul, concept artist, Matt Alsop, and composer Chris Tilton collaborated on to give people an idea of the movie they want. Witta explained, as he said before, this wouldn't be a straight remake of the original movie. It's a sequel that keeps the original film in canon but passes the torch to a new generation, much like Star Wars The Force Awakens did. So this is interesting. So um, let us, we're going to... I have to find a way to do this savvily so that we don't get the music. So let me click on this link here to go over to YouTube. And then where is the volume? All right. So this is pretty cool. So we'll just check this out. So yeah, so this is a uh, again a sizzle reel. For a potential last Starfighter sequel movie. Obviously called The Last Starfighters. Now, I have watched this before. This is mostly just um, kind of concept art kind of stuff, but I thought, thought it was pretty interesting.
1: Now, I, I haven't seen this at all, so this is the first time for me.
0: I love Last Starfighter, so that'd be interesting to kind of show on the show and talk about. So
1: Yeah, it's an absolute classic. Absolutely.
0: This is kind of cool. It's got the feel of the trailer park, you know?
1: Yeah, definitely has has that feel of the original.
0: It's like one of the assassin looking characters. It's kind of weird we can't play the music or anything, but you know we run the risk of getting a potential YouTube copyright did they, thing. Did they
1: use the music from the theatrical uh, release, or did they are this is new music? It's new music,
0: but it's, it evokes the original. Gotcha. But it is new music, so.
1: I always love the design of the ship. I think the, the the ship was a really interesting design and actually pretty unique.
0: Yeah, the gun stars. Yeah. Yeah, I thought this was just kind of cool. Again, I, I don't know how close to fruition, you know, this film actually getting made is. I know that they're putting this out there in the hopes that people will share it and talk it up and, and hopefully help create more interest. I feel like there's probably enough interest in Last Starfighter that it could potentially click with people. Um but yeah, I thought this is kind of fun to kind of show here on the show and talk about. So it's interesting.
1: It's also interesting that they pluralized it. So obviously, I guess the idea is to have more of like an ensemble cast instead of just like a a primary character. Right. Right. Which I don't know if I if I agree with that concept 100%, but again, it's 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 all I guess in how you execute it. Right. That's kind of neat. So the idea of having some like water scenes or a base that's like in the water. That's kind of interesting. Yeah. I do notice it doesn't seem like they're trying to reinvent the wheel too much, which is good. It looks like the uniforms look very similar. The ships themselves, they look, you know, the same, which I think is really awesome. So it's like sometimes people just try a little too hard and, and they actually lose what was cool about the original.
0: Right. obviously very high concept you know what that they're trying to pitch it's just kind of uh i don't know one of the things that this kind of stuff does i always wonder it's like well what's the actual story gonna be but they can't get too far into it
1: hmm. interesting line i like that i don't know any of those yeah. guys i'm a kid from a trailer park if that's what you think then that's all you'll ever be yeah but I think it's interesting. Uh, I def- that, that w- This is a true reaction for me. I haven't seen this before. Uh, Dave told me he was going to show it, uh, but I hadn't seen anything about that. Well, I, I shouldn't say I hadn't seen anything about the the last Starfighter sequel. I'd heard a rumor about it, and I wasn't sure how seriously to take it, but I didn't know this sizzle reel exist, uh, existed. And uh, Matt Henshaw's in the house. He says, OK, I am here now. What did I miss? <laughs> Well, <laughs> I'll, I'll, let me sh- what I'll do
0: Matt, is I'll share the link actually in the chat so if people want to check it out, you, you guys can just check it
1: out. There you go. There you go. Um, um, I, I do think it I do I do think it would be really cool to to, to do a sequel to the last Starfighter. Um, I, I, the the way that it was the, the way that you were um, you know you were quoting the article and they were talking about what this ex- what this is gonna be, it does give me some concern about whether they, they have any uh, intention of using any of the original uh, cast members, any of the original surviving cast members or not. Um, if they don't, I, I would really kind of not like that. You know, I, I'm always kind of old school about that, that I I like to see um, the, the original actors uh, come back. And of course, you know, it doesn't always work. It's funny they, they mentioned The Force Awakens because I was like, wow. In a lot of ways, I wish they didn't bring back the old actors in that one uh, because I didn't like the film. But uh, it, it, I, I do think it's good. What I do think it's very respectful when they actually bring back the original actors uh, from something like this um, and actually acknowledge them and actually advance them. That would be kind of cool. You know, where they actually advance, like we're now... For instance, if the original character was not like the trainer, you know, he's the master, so to speak. Um, it has to kind of, kind of get these raw recruits, you know, uh, going. That would be kind of neat, kind of obvious, but also kind of neat, I think. Um, so I just kind of hope that they do have some place for them.
0: I, I honestly do think that's what they intend to do, because um, I've heard a lot of talk about this, this sequel, you know, to Last Starfighter. Um, so I do think there is definitely. Um, I, I I, mean, I have a talk, uh, obviously, the guy directly, you know what I mean? But based, <laughs> based off a lot of what I've read and a lot of what I've heard about what they've discussed, um, I do think that they intend to bring back, you know, who of, you know, the original cast members that are still around who might be interested, you know, in being involved. You know, when you think about it, there's not that many um, people, I think, left to even bring back, to be honest um i think a lot of the you know because a lot of the main characters you think of are like you know centauri right you think of greg you know and i think the actor who played greg has passed um i mean i could be wrong um because he was the he was the the old man who was running ocp and robocop that was actually greg that's the same actor um but I think that he has actually probably passed, and um, the guy who played Centauri, um, I think he might have passed as well. I, mean, I could be wrong. Um,
1: uh, it's very possible because they, they they were older even even then.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think you know the main people we're looking at, you know, would be Alex Rogan. You know, right? Like he would be your main. I think I got that name right. Um, I think he would be one of your main. You know your main characters you'd be looking at so
1: yeah The well he was the main character right so yeah that's yes that's that's the name of the actor i'm kind of okay. looking on imdb as you're talking so
0: right well the character not the actor um i can't find well anyhow now i'm killing time trying to figure out Anyhow, I think, I think like, for example, I think the actor who played Greg, I think he might have passed, and again, I think the actor who played Centauri might have already passed, so I don't think we have that many people to bring back. I mean, like I said, I, I think you're make, mostly looking at bringing the actor back who played Alex, you know, maybe the actor who played uh, the love interest, whose name I can't remember off the top of my head. Um Maggie, Maggie. there you go. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, it looks like they're both still alive, so...
0: Yeah, and it'd be appropriate if they'd been living off in the stars, you know what I mean, and, and he had been training, you know, like the new group of last starfighters. You know, it's interesting because it reminds me of a lot of the 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 general concept that you know Richard Hatch wanted to do with you know Bowser Galactica: the Second Coming. You know, that same kind yeah. of idea, right? And so, if they do it right, that could be kind of cool. So.
1: Yeah. But unfortunately that's not what they did, but you know, I know there's lots of people that, that like the, uh, the version they eventually did anyway. And of course, Richard Hatch, did end up having a place at the table, uh, with, with the, the version that did come out. But, um, I, I always personally just like when they do, I, I like sequels. I prefer sequels to remakes or reimaginings or reboots, which are mostly just uh, market terms anyway, that don't really mean anything. Um, I always prefer like an actual sort of straight sequel some sort of acknowledgement of the original characters using some of the original actors i do understand obviously if if someone's past that, that that becomes an issue obviously but um i just think it's respectful to the source material that you're you're basically mooching off of because that's what they're doing right so right right all right um very
0: cool do you have anything else for pop
1: culture this week Uh, well, let's see. I actually have quite a few different things that we can talk about and it does look like we have some time. So let's see which one I want to talk about the most. Um, well, this I thought was kind of fun. So here's a fun one. Um, so last week I had actually wanted to talk about a William Shatner story and we didn't have enough time to talk about it. But William Shatner keeps getting in the news for, for all sorts of uh, different reasons, and it's kind of fun to see that, like uh, an actor who's 90 years old, and he still gets, he still makes headlines. So this is actually a USA Today article, which I think is really cool. Again, he's still making headlines, and it says William Shatner joins the WWE Hall of Fame. "Quote: I should have gone into wrestling as Captain Kirk." So it says World Wrestling Entertainment (WWE) has a new Hall of Famer. William Shatner, who took part in WWE events when he was patrolling the universe as Captain James T. James T. Kirk of Star Trek. It says Shatner will be inducted into the celebrity wing in an April 6th WWE Hall of Fame ceremony that will stream on Peacock. Uh, it will be held remotely due to COVID-19. Uh, and also, I guess they're combining the classes of 2020 and 2021 due to the pandemic. They didn't do a class of 2020. And Shatner is technically part of that 2020 group. But uh, it's funny for me because I'm a huge William Shatner fan. And, you know, I, I even had the opportunity at Star Trek Vegas. My friend got a photo op with him. And at uh, at those events, you're allowed to have like a plus one when you do a photo op. So I got to meet William Shatner very briefly and take a picture with him. But I didn't even realize he did WWE stuff. <laughs> Did you know that? I mean, did you even know, Dave, that he was involved with the World Wrestling uh, you know, Federation, World Wrestling Entertainment?
0: I mean, I'm not surprised because they <laughs> would bring in all kinds of movie tie-in stuff to promote wrestling stuff. I mean, the biggest one I think of is when RoboCop supposedly showed up to help out during a big wrestling match. And they were promoting RoboCop too. So, Oh wow.
1: I didn't even know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah.
0: That was, that was weird. Cause RoboCop supposedly showed up to try and help decide the match. It was really strange. Um, <laughs> Cause the whole time I'm watching this going, there's no way in hell they could do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it's interesting because that's kind of a, kind of like a staple in my mind, anyway of, of kind of wrestling and wrestling entertainment is, is, you know, tying in those different celebrities and and bringing kind of all these different kind of things together almost like a a melting pot of you know pop cultureness. you know what i mean so to me it um i'm not not too terribly surprised i don't remember seeing the william shatner stuff specifically um but you know there's a lot of stuff that william shatner did as captain kirk that sometimes we aren't aware of like for example like in foreign countries there's these amazingly produced commercials where Captain Kirk is running around and, you know, you know, Wrath of Khan era, you know, red tunics with phasers blasting with, you know, James <laughs> doing and stuff. And you're like, what is this? Like, when did they do this? You know, and, and then just recently on YouTube, YouTube recommended I watch a video and it was actually uh, a press conference they were doing for the media for actually Star Trek five, uh, Final Frontier. Where all the cast members were there in their motion, well, we we'll call Rattican era red tunics, and they pull back the curtains, and it's the whole bridge set, and everything's working, and they answer questions from the press for a little bit. Howard Bennett's there, and I'm like, "What is this? How have I never wow. seen this before?" Um, and then, and it also recommended another clip of Shatner, and he's sitting on an outcropping uh, in view of El Capitan, talking about you know, um, the reason they had that segment in Star Trek 5 and where the inspiration came from. And I was just like going, how have I never seen any of this stuff before? So if you go on YouTube, there's all kinds of interesting stuff that William Shatner did that they were probably not aware of. So
1: one of my favorites, uh, speaking of ads, is uh, he did one for, I can't remember which of the JJ Trek, uh, movies they made a game for I, I believe it was the second film They made a video game for um, I, I don't think it was the first one And I'm pretty sure it wasn't the third one Because the third one didn't do very well But uh, they made an adaption Of the you know the theatrical JJ vs Star Trek Into a video game And <laughs> they didn't use Any of the actors From that, that cast uh, For promoting it They used William Shatner And he did a rematch with the Gorn have you ever seen that one, Dave? Have you ever seen that one?
0: No, I have not seen that one. Sorry, oh, I you, my, you, I mic think you on would me. love it.
1: You've got to check it out. I think if you put in like, maybe if you put in Star Trek, uh, what what was uh, what was Star Trek? The Star Trek two of JJ verse called um, Star Trek oh, and, uh, Into Darkness. Maybe it's if you just put like Star Trek Into Darkness video game. Or you know, maybe just like uh, you know, star, it might even be Star Trek Beyond video game or something like that, or just Star Trek video game, you know, two thousand nine or something. It'll probably pop up. It's a, it's so funny. It's so funny. I don't want to ruin it for you. You got to check it out. It's it, but they have an actual rematch with William Shatner and the Gorn. And as Matt Henshaw says, everyone loves the Shat. Of course, everyone loves the chat, Matt. Absolutely. Although you know, it's kind of funny. I do see that he gets into trouble sometime on his Twitter and things like that. And for all of all things, it's because he refuses to be political. He refuses to be political on his on his uh, on his Twitter feed. And there are people that actually go after him for that because they want him to comment on their their whatever their cause is. Uh, and he says, I won't do that. That's not what I'm about. That's not why I'm here. And, and I just wanted to touch on the article that I didn't get to talk about because I did think this was really interesting. Uh, I wanted to talk about this last week because last week, of course, uh, William Shatner turned 90 years old. And this is uh, uh, an article that uh, from March 22nd. So it is a little bit dated, but I didn't get to talk about it last time. And William Shatner did turn 90, and it said, William Shatner celebrates 90th birth- birthday by creating an AI version of himself for future generations. So he said uh-huh. basically um, – it says on Monday, Monday of that, of that last week, Storyfile, an, an upcoming interactive storytelling app announced that the icon, iconic actor, writer, director is joining the company as a brand ambassador. Ch- Shatner, who is also marking a big birthday milestone Monday, is the first person to work with Storyfile Life to create an AI-powered interactive conversational video that his family and friends can interact with for years to come available beginning May of 2021. So it's kind of interesting. So essentially, if you really think about what this is, this is like the first kind of version of what you might call like a holodeck recreation of a a, like a historical figure or of a real person. And basically, they're incorporating this sort of, you know, artificial intelligence technology to create this this interactive uh, uh, William Shatner, that will will theoretically be around long after he's gone, and I just thought that was so interesting because, you know, essentially this is basically like you know the first version of like a holodeck character. You know, obviously you'll probably just interact with them, you know, via a screen or something like that. It won't be a hologram yet, but the idea is basically the same. And I thought that was really interesting that that's something that's actually happening. Yeah, huh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool.
0: Um, I did find, if you don't mind, if I share my screen, I found that commercial I was talking about.
1: Sure. Yeah. Let me get mine. Let me get mine off real quick.
0: So I thought this would be interesting. This is uh, if I can find where the there it is. And get it to play. So this is this. Yeah, it's this strange uh, commercial. But see, there's William Shatner. That's Kirk. <laughs> that's great. And then look at check this out. What's, what's oh, that's funny how he, he's
1: basically straight up in the next gen engine room, too. Did you see that? Yeah. Yeah. So this was obviously probably filmed after Star Trek Six.
0: Yeah. But it's for some kind of a, a British, I think, insurance company or something. You know, but- I feel
1: like I vaguely remember this because I feel like I remember something with with yeah, because you can see how all the sets are are next gen sets. Yeah. So obviously the the Star Trek six sets had already been taken down by this time. Um, it's kind of I I feel like I, I kind of remember this because I remember that 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 idea of of Scotty kind of being basically in the the next generation engine room so i feel like yeah. i might have seen this before
0: it's a weird it's a weird sort of thing i thought it'd be just kind of fun to kind of show since we were we were talking about this uh this kind of idea you know so
1: no that's awesome no i love that kind of stuff but but i i feel like i might have seen it i felt like i might have seen it before
0: yeah it's a, it's an unusual uh it's an unusual thing. I, I can't remember exactly how I stumbled across it. Um, I think uh, someone shared that weird Star Trek KFC commercial. Um, I think that's kind of what started it. And it started me down this rabbit hole of like, well, what else have I not seen? And then eventually it led <laughs> me, you know, to to that. And I was like, well, this is crazy. There's like laser blasts and, you know, there's James Dillon. This is kind of cool. Like, what the hell is this? You know, so...
1: Well, you got to check out that gorn one man you got it i think you'll love it i think you'll absolutely all love right it.
0: i'll check it out
1: and matt all henshaw right. says says of the chat he says he's a smart man for not getting political i agree with you matt but again there are people that actually go after him for that because no matter what you do in, in this day and age you offend somebody that's just the way it is right so yep i'm offended right now um so- i'm offended that you're offended
0: you're offended that I'm, I'm offended that you're offended that I offended you. <laughs> um, right. So um, I have a, uh, another pop culture here. I don't have anything for streaming words, but I do have one more pop culture. So I thought this was interesting. Uh, Eric and I were talking about this actually before the show tonight. But um, this is coming from Screen Rant. This is by Andy Beckbach. Okay, again, apologies. I can't pronounce some of these names. Good old, uh, again, rant yeah, apologies. Old friend. All right, so, um, basically, here, I thought this is interesting. Uh, this is also this is from four days ago, but I thought it was interesting and I wanted to talk about it because I feel like this plays into a larger narrative of what's actually happening with the uh, the Black Adam movie because The Rock has been promoting the Black Adam movie. And, of course, it was announced Remington Steel is going to be basically, you know, Dr. Fate. Um, And so there's a lot of interesting things happening with the Black Adam movie. And I saw this, and I was like, well, this is crazy. This is the CW almost beat Warner Brothers to their next big superhero movie. And this is while Warner Brothers Pictures is developing an hour man feature film. Let that sink in. The Justice Society of America hero almost had his own series on the CW. And then this is the important part I wanted to bring up for tonight. Warner Brothers is bringing the DC Comics hero, Our Man to the big screen, but the CW almost had a series for the Justice Society hero. The DC TV landscape has come a long way since Arrow premiered in 2012 and would mark the beginning of the Arrowverse. The same can be said for the DCEU or DC films after Man of Steel kicked off Warner Brothers first shared cinematic universe for their DC properties. While both Warner Brothers divisions have changed their gameplay over the last few years, it's becoming more normal for the studio to use a character in both TV and film at the same time. Warner Brothers is currently in the early stages of developing an Hourman Man feature film with Gavin James and Neil Widener. Again pronounces apologies pronouncing it incorrectly. Widener, painting the screenplay. It's unknown if Rex Tyler or his son Rick Tyler will be the Our Man that the DC Film Project focuses on. It's also unclear if this will have any connections to the Justice Society that Black Adam is introducing into the DCEU with Dr. Fate, Hawkman, Cyclone, and Atom Smasher. While Hourman Man is one of the smaller IPs that Warner Brothers owns in the DC Universe, this wouldn't be the first time the Justice Society of America member has been was being eyed to have his own solo project. So go back up here to the fun little graphic they've got here, potential Hour uh, our Man here. Um, so no, I just thought this was interesting. You know, Our Man is kind of a a, a cool character. Um, there's been some interesting things done with him. Um, for those people who don't know, the original version of our Man was a pharmacist who created um, a pill, essentially, it was essentially a steroid, if you will, And when he took this pill, it gave him superhuman powers like super strength and agility and all this other stuff, enhanced reflexes, but only for one hour. That was kind of his shtick. So it was only good for one hour. (laughs) Um, And then typically he had some kind of a timekeeping device which was often depicted by the hourglass around his neck. And so once he took the pill, he would activate the timekeeping device so he knew that he had basically an hour before his powers would run out. I think the most tragic version of this character is actually in a really great graphic novel uh, published many years ago called uh, The Golden Age. And in The Golden Age, um, this character has basically become addicted and is basically sort of like a drug addict. Um, It's a really interesting, weird, twisted kind of take on the character, but um, a really good series. I really like The Golden Age. I always recommend it to people. It's very interesting. Um, uh, But anyhow... Um, I just thought this was kind of unusual because we've heard so much stuff coming out of the Black Adam movie. And I was like, well, this is really strange. They're developing an hour man film. And then the idea that they're even hinting at in this article that there wouldn't be any connection between this and the Justice Society and the Black Adam movie, I find absolutely laughable. The only reason to develop an hour man feature film is to basically have it tie into the Black Adam movie somehow, at least in my mind. What do you think, Eric?
1: Well, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts actually, and I'm trying to try to organize them. First of all, I, I have a lot of issues with screen rant. I think they they do get some decent information and put it out there, but they put such crazy spins on these things that that they they really they really become almost like clickbait. Uh just take the the title, you know, CW almost beat Warner Brothers to their newest big superhero movie. Um flash anybody no? no does nothing for you one of the biggest shows on the cw yeah they've had a flash series for multiple seasons already and we're right. having a flash movie that's not news that's not right news. and it's and, and, so, you know what i mean that's just not news um and then this idea like you said that that they're not going to try tie this into the jsa Uh, I was talking to Dave off the air that I had just seen an article. I think it was on comicbook.com. Don't quote me. I don't have the article to to bring up. But it was bringing up a very interesting editorial about how Black Adam could be the key to sort of going beyond the Snyderverse because the Snyderverse is kind of like – so um, you know, so trendy at the moment with people like restore the Snyderverse, which we really know is not going to happen, at least not in the not in the near future, not not under the current regime. Um, and the point of the article really was that Black Adam, in basically introducing the Justice Society of America, can totally, you know, basically uh provide a new direction for the DC universe. And then I do want to point out one other thing, which is that this article says Man of Steel started the shared. DC universe. That's complete bullshit. I've mentioned multiple times that at the time it came out, they specifically said that wasn't going to tie into any other movies. They were going to do all the characters individually. It was only later when they decided to do Batman versus Superman, that man of steel became part of this quote, Snyder versus shared DCEU universe, whatever. That was a later thing at the time they made man of steel. It was not meant to tie into anything. It was simply meant to reboot Superman as, as, a, as his own film franchise. So again, screen rant, you do some really weird things with your articles, but hey, you're successful, so I guess keep doing them. Um, but the, 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 the JSA thing is, is the biggest thing I get out of this. Um, and also, again, with that thought that came from that article that I read before, with this idea of Black Adam, and, and also you have to realize uh, Shazam, of course, ties into that, because obviously Shazam... And Black Adam are definitely going to be in the same universe. Uh, There there is a little bit of question about how much Shazam was part of the quote DCEU, how much Black Adam will be, but Shazam and Black Adam will definitely be together because the idea is that by the time we get to like Shazam 3, this is the plan, of course, it's going to be Black Adam versus Shazam, right? Uh, Or Captain Marvel, as he should be referred to. Uh, So I think that's interesting. I think that that's a good idea because I mentioned this to Dave off the air. Um, it, this is the possibility of DC films actually doing it right, actually establishing all of their characters individually first, the same way that the MCU did, and then having a big, you know, JSA moment where they all come together, as opposed to the Snyderverse, which was completely rushed and uh, basically like is very controversial. You know, I think a lot of people that are big Snyder Cut fans or or Snyder Cut advocates forget that, how divisive and controversial those takes on the characters were. But but ultimately they were so rushed. Nothing was developed, you know. So I think uh, now D.C. has an opportunity where they could develop all these characters individually. Shazam has had his own movie. Black Adam gets his movie, which maybe uh, a lot of people I'm hearing is going to introduce like Hawkman. You know that kind of a thing so then and then maybe we get our man and his own movie and maybe that can also introduce some other character uh, like say the classic Sandman or something like that it could also be tagging a lot you know you could do all sorts of different things and you kind of introduce these characters in these different movies and then you then you have the big event JSA movie and the funny thing would be is that the JSA ends up becoming the the big thing to actually compete with the Avengers when Justice League just didn't do that.
0: That would be really strange if if at the end of the day that because they talk about how everything's like a everything's cyclical, you know what I mean? Like everything moves in a circle. And it'd be so weird if some if they if they actually pull this off and if the JSA turns out to be the thing, the DC universe, because you know the JSA beget the JLA, and then the JLA begets the J like passes the torch back to the JSA. That would be that would be absolutely one of the most insane things I have ever seen, because in a weird way, it would almost kind of echo what they've done with the Marvel Universe. You know, the Marvel Universe started off, you know, you know, with Iron Man, you know, Iron Man's a great character, but Iron Man is not the household name that Spider-Man is, you know. Uh, no, Iron I, Man is I, the- I've said
1: it many times for many people, including myself, Iron Man, before the movie came out, was considered a cheap ripoff of Batman. There's lots of people that felt that way. Yeah, so it would
0: really be interesting if, you know, I can't it
1: you know,
0: by basically, you know, doing it with a Again, almost, had, you know, forgotten. You know, again, right now, you know, C D list characters, right?
1: I think we were having some technical issues there, uh, Dave. It sounded like you went oh. like really badly digital for a while.
0: Oh, sorry, I didn't realize um, we have got some, looks got like some stream connectivity issues uh, going on. Yeah. But uh, you know, just, just think
1: about
0: that. You-
1: yeah, I, I, I'm still hearing it, and, and if anybody else, it, it, anybody in the uh, the Rose Gallery there can tell me if you're hearing it or not, um, and maybe you're hearing it from me as well. Maybe I'm really badly digital, but if you are hearing some audio problems, please let us know, because I, I'm hearing them pretty bad. All right, well,
0: that's... Uh... Get the screen to change, but it won't change on my end. Because i has got to go ahead and pull this graphic down. Maybe this gra- there you go. Maybe this graphic is kind of bogging us down.
1: Okay. Jane says it's just you, Dave. Your 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 audio is the one that's bad right now. So maybe it is huh. just you overtaxed your system a little bit with the, the shared screen or something like that. Matt confirms that as well. He says, uh, yeah, sounds like Dave has a bad connection.
0: Well, I'll just keep my thoughts to myself then.
1: <laughs> we don't want that. We don't want that. <laughs> Sometimes, as you know, it, it just it's just buffering. It just needs a it just needs a second to kind of catch up. Uh, that, need, that happens.
0: Need, it just needs some buffering, some aspirin.
1: Yeah, there you go. There you go. It just needs some aspirin. And Jane says you're good now. So
0: Yeah, it was just screen rant. Probably. Screen rant was bogging her. Let's keep this down. <laughs> That's, <laughs> a a That's a joke. That's a joke.
1: Well, speaking of rants, and I know you said that you you weren't specifically wanting to talk about this, but I feel like it it needs to be brought up because it is kind of big news. Uh, This is also a Gizmodo article, and it says, Marvel says goodbye to Diamond, She's his new comics distributor in Penguin Random House, which I was really kind of surprised by that, that Penguin Random House is taking over um, distributor duties for Marvel. So this is another big blow to diamond. And I am curious, Dave, if you have any thoughts about this.
0: Um, I mean, I'm not too terribly surprised um, because. Um, You know, everyone's had their challenges with them. Um, And then, you know, on the flip of that, you know, when when Disney bought marvel they had so many partnerships with so many different you know publishers and different distribution channels and everything everyone thought well immediately like oh you know what's going to happen you know they're going to lose this and they're going to lose that and they're going to go with all these you know established sort of like disney partners right to get different aspects of the not only the comics production but also the comics per, you know distribution done as well so um you know it, you know, kind of to me, it just kind of you know, weirdly kind of makes sense. I don't, I don't have a shock, you know, but I don't find it as a huge shock,
1: yeah. I, I hear you on that, and, and we are still having a little bit of that, that digital problem, but I think I could actually at least understand what you were saying, Dave. But Matt Henshaw, I think you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, DC left, you know, it was just a matter of time for Marvel. I think that's kind of my take as well as after DC kind of established the precedent, uh, Marvel was gonna be going, uh, it was just a matter of time. Um, Ultimately, in my personal opinion, I've always felt that this idea of an exclusive distribution in terms of just one company that distributes all comics was always bad. I do remember, and I've talked about this, when I first started going to um, San Diego Comic-Con, this is when I first even became aware of the distribution process because I was trying to self-publish my own book. And so I was trying to find out what the guidelines were and all that stuff to submit. Um, and I remember when I first went, there were still two other companies. There were still, there was still FM and there was cold cut and they were competing amongst themselves for the last two to 3% of the market. I think that was the number I got. It was really sad. And of course, those companies eventually went away. But but I actually think I still have like a cold cut um submission thing somewhere, you know, because I was I was getting ready to submit to them. Uh and they and their submission um uh their submission uh standards were much much lower than diamond. They were much more open to just allowing the market, just allowing the uh comic book shops to decide what they wanted as opposed to diamond, which you know it was a big deal just to get into diamond. So I guess I've I've never really liked Diamond. I've always felt like they're kind of against the little guy. I guess is, is what it really comes down to for me. Um, and I've just never liked the idea of one distribution model. Um, I get frustrated with with film because film has multiple distribution models, but relatively speaking, they're very few. You know, it's basically just the major studios and then the major streaming services we talk about. And nowadays, pretty much all the major st- streaming services are owned by the studios or have their own studio right so it makes it very limited there but at least there's multiple multiple venues whereas with comics it was one and i always thought that was kind of bad so i does not necessarily mean i want diamond to go out of business and i'm not trying to say that but i was never very happy with with that model of just one company dominating the entire industry and i, I feel like that had to be broken if the comic book industry is going to survive And I don't know if you had a comment, Dave, because uh, you're you're muted there. We still having some of those digital issues, Dave. Can you hear me?
0: I can hear you. Can you hear me?
1: Yes, very clear now.
0: Well, I, I don't want to comment on this too much more just because it seems like we're having connectivity issues. Um so, but I did think it was interesting. I looked into this because um, I was curious in the world even owns, you know, Penguin Random House. Because um, I was wondering, like, does Disney own that? Like, is that part of the, you know, <laughs> their media empire? But it's actually owned by a company called Bertelsmann. And Bertelsmann... That's weird, so...
1: What did you say about Bertels? Bertelsmann is what?
0: It's a German media conglomerate. That's who owns Penguin oh, okay. Random House.
1: I'm actually aware that uh, you know one of the biggest uh, one of the biggest uh, book shows is in Germany. So I know that there is a lot of publishing there. In fact, I found out about that because of San Diego Comic Con. People would tell me about that. Like there's this huge event, and obviously, I'm sure they haven't had it, you know, in the last year or so. But I know. Uh, I was told that the biggest book event, just books in general, is actually in Germany. So that doesn't surprise me.
0: Yeah. Um, Matt's got a comment over here. Um, While well, I was trying to pull it up, um, he says, uh, I agree. Diamond is or was a monopoly for comics. The industry is limping along as it is thanks to COVID. True that's very true very true yeah some people have had great success you know crowdfunding you know with their comics and taking them directly to you know what i mean you know potential supporters you know oh yeah
1: as far as indie that's exactly what's going on the 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 really successful indie creators that's what they're doing they're crowdfunding absolutely that's absolutely what they're doing and uh, more power to them because that's pretty awesome that you have that direct connection to your audience And you're able to do that that's great
0: yeah i'm having all kinds of connectivity issues here Um, we should probably look at wrapping it up here pretty quick do you have anything for uh, streaming wars
1: well we're at the two hour mark anyway and my article wasn't like earth shattering and because of the connection issues i think we should go ahead and just wrap it up
0: all right sounds good okay all right, so I want to thank uh, all of you for probably watching and listening to this episode of uh, the Retro Rogues Live. Again, my name is Dave Beatty. I've been one of your hosts. If you're curious to see uh, the fun things that I occupy my time this days, these days, please check out my uh, t-shirt company, KirbyTs.com, K-I-R-B-Y-T-S.com. And maybe even possibly consider purchasing a Retro Rogues Live shirt and supporting what we're
1: I think Dave is having his uh, digital issue again there, because um, I'm not hearing him at all. If anybody can let me know if you can at least hear me, <laughs> because I'm not even hearing Dave at all right now at this point. Uh, so I'll just let everybody know that I am most active on Twitter uh, at bassgod 14 at B-A-S-S-G-O-D-1-4. Uh, my DMs are always open. Uh, please, if you have any uh, suggestions uh, I would really appreciate that as far as any suggestions for reviews. We are doing Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I can tell you right now I am going to discuss with Dave whether we want to skip uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier next week and maybe do Godzilla, uh, because that seems like that is trending pretty 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 well right now. So if any of you folks have suggestions there, please let me know. Um, Base God 14 is also the official YouTube, and it's also the official Twitch. So if you comment on there, more likely than not, I'll be the one responding to you. And I do appreciate the feedback, Jane and Matt, letting me know that you can hear me loud and clear. Uh, So I'm going to go ahead and finish up the show. Uh, Fun little comment there from you, Matt. Uh, Is Micah watching too much TV, Dave? Because I think Dave can still hear me fine. (laughs) So I don't know if that could be possibly the issue. And Jane also says another great show. We appreciate uh, that, Jane. And we appreciate you being here as we always do. And with that, we'll leave you, Jane, with the last word.
0: We want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Retro Rogues Live podcast. You can learn more about Eric Alexander and Find the Live show on either Twitch, YouTube, or Twitter by searching for bassgod 14 That's B-A-S-S-G-O-D-1-4 on either YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter. If you are curious about co-host Dave Beatty, you can see some of his art, find social media links, and so much more at his website, DaveBeatty.com. That's D-A-V-E-B-E-A-T-Y dot com. If you enjoyed this episode of The RetroGues Live, be sure to like, share, and subscribe.